Welcome to a new episode of the La Boogie Podcast. Uh, this one, a little different. Uh, old friend of mine and uh, one of the guys I used to look up to as a grom, Shane Chalker, asked if he could put me in front of the, the mic on this one. And uh, So this is the Josh Kirkman episode. It's a little weird, um, but I hope you'll enjoy it. I'm just um, battling flies while I record this out in the desert in Western Australia. Uh, out here for a little while. Beautiful countryside. No waves though. Hope you enjoy this episode and uh, thanks again to Chalky for getting involved. That was real nice of him to ask. Cheers. So we're on. So, um, I'm Shane, this is Josh, (laughs) and uh, the roles have been reversed. Yeah, they have. For... I'm going to interview you for yeah. your podcast channel, The Boogie. There we go. Thank you, thank you, Chalk. I appreciate it. Um, I couldn't have thought of a better guy to put me in the hot seat, to be honest. <laughs> You've been there from the start yeah, with bodyboarding yeah. for me, so I think it's um, yeah, couldn't have thought of anyone better. So no, thanks cool, for mate. That's quite a compliment. Know. I know you uh, had your mate Crompton. He was real keen, <laughs> and who knows where that would have ended up. And also, you said Louis. He's Louis once mentioned it, there it once to me too, as well. So, yeah. Uh, no, it's good. I sort of feel quite privileged. No, it's all yours. Sort of company to have a crack at it. So um, it's all yours. But yeah, we, we we could talk about a thousand things. I, I sometimes wonder if even I know you properly because <laughs> you're just you're like an ogre. Oh. You've got so many different layers, and a lot of people probably don't realise that they know surfing, Josh. Mm. Um, but there's probably a few people out there who don't really know the Josh Kirkman that sits at home and has dinner with his family once in a while. So. Yeah. But um, I think we'll focus on the ocean-going, Josh. How's that sound? Go wherever you want. This, right. is, this is your podcast now. So okay, I'm my the, podcast. Yeah, it's all, your, oh, it's so all the, yours. There's the checks in the mail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those ones that bounce. But um, it, it was funny, just even recently, I was um, talking to your dad, and mm. he said how you guys have just come back from a family holiday, mm. and you had a bit of a diving incident where you ended up with a mild case of the bends or is that is it the or bends? decompression sickness decompression yeah. sickness often people just say say um they need to change it but um yeah it's a it's still something i'm processing because i'm only two weeks out of it and as i as i said to you the other day like it's this really bizarre bodily feeling that um it's kind of could it can be death by a thousand bubbles and, yeah, that's and, a bizarre term. Yeah, so yeah, that's literally yeah. what it can be. It can be that, and it gets into everything. So um, I'll probably butcher the science here, but, like, you know, when you scuba dive, you know, we breathe in air at the surface. We breathe in about 70% nitrogen. Um, I think it's about 28% oxygen, and then there's a few other gases in between. And, you know, when we breathe in this air, we don't absorb any of the nitrogen. So the nitrogen just gets blown back out with the CO2. Um, that's what normally happens at... at sea level yep. when you dive the nitrogen turns into a solution it can the pressure makes it turn into a solution it can get into your bloodstream and then and it goes everywhere the body. Yeah, it yeah. goes everywhere yeah, yeah. so that's what's happening and if you can there's many ways you can get decompression sickness but one of them is usually coming up too quickly or 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 you know diving too long and not having enough rest in between dives. Have you ever experienced it before? Because you are actually a bit of a, a dive yeah, master. Yeah, yeah, I have so a dive master. probably should have known a little bit better. That's what's embarrassing about it. And, <laughs> and I take, ultimately, the buck stops with me with this. Um, but, yeah, like, I haven't experienced this before. I've had some moments where I thought, 
uh, I feel a bit weird. And maybe they were actually, on reflection, mild cases that mm-hmm. I just kind of got through. But Can't compare it to any other sensational sickness or feeling you've had I before? No, nah, it was more like there was just some nausea. There was um, well, constant nausea. Um, I had all this tingling through my hands and, and kind of arms. My weird pains that kind of came out of the elbows and then sometimes the shoulders and then sometimes a big toe. Um, <laughs> and, and a cloudiness in my head. Because you actually ended up in a decompression unit yep, um, yep. on and off for three or four days. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your dad, Steve, um, he was saying that you ruined the holiday completely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he didn't and really I say feel... that. He, he said that he felt so bad for you, to be honest. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was tough because the family holiday had been planned for a long time and and I was looking forward to it. I'm, I'm usually a bit of the black sheep in my family. When it comes to family <laughs> gatherings, I'm always the one maybe letting them down a little bit. Um, you'll have to interview my brother for that full story and sister. They yeah. probably shed more light on that. But it's, um, it, was, yeah, it was a rough one because the decompressor, like to, the hyperbaric chamber was down in Townsville, which is a five-hour drive from Port Douglas where we were. I didn't want to make us go to Townsville for nothing. So I just monitored my symptoms for a couple of days. And then when it just wasn't going anywhere and I was still feeling quite ill, I had to make the call. And yeah, it turns out it was exactly that. And yeah, a mild to moderate case. I didn't feel like I was dying at any point, Uh but I did feel really shit. And it's probably something you don't want to have happen again in a real hurry I wouldn't reckon I won't be it won't be happening again that's good yeah. that's good there's no way learn from yeah, that yeah, lesson yeah. So. there's a lot of lessons from it too it's so not, that's just yeah. that this is how Josh's life's played out there's always a chapter there's always a story so um, so we might just hit the rewind button a yeah, little bit now sure. and go back to your earlier days um, yeah. never actually knew you as a pre-teenager or anything probably nah. sort of got to know you as you were a teenager as mm. a little blonde-haired Grom who mm. sort of kept showing up and never went away. Like mm. many would show up and they'd be there for a while and disappear. But you sort of hung around and um, became a, a good friend, a great person to surf with. Um, it was always good to have guys in the water that uh, shared the same interests of competitive mm. bodyboarding. Mm. And um, having you around and your brother as well, who's a Dan, great surfer as well. Mm. Um, you know, it was, always, it was always great to have you in the water from those early days. Um, Tunkari was where you started surfing? Yeah. Yep. That was the, well, I mean, I think if I'm honest, the, the very first memory I have of being on a bodyboard was at Main Beach um, uh-huh. on a little foamy uh, in the in between the flags. In but, between the but flags. But technically, yeah. the, the, the progression, like the bodyboarding that kind of progressed into who, who I became and who I am today is, um, yeah, very much connected to Tunkari Beach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll sort of talk more about Tunkari. Mm. Uh, as the podcast goes on, it'll continually be mentioned, I'd mm. reckon. But um, in your earlier days, you um, were quite the quite the competitor. Mm. Um, that was probably you start competing at fifteen ish. Would that be a guess? But not quite younger, sure. younger. I yeah. actually you're I think a grommet champion. I was a grommet champion. I got <laughs> I got there. I mean the well, actually, I should say Brad Hughes will remain the the, the grommet champion um, of all champions. I think like when I was. I think my first national titles was in 97. Uh-huh. 97, yeah. And I th- and he smoked us. Yeah, like, right. you know, he was he was definitely Brad Hughes. Brad Hughes, yeah. 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 I mean, it, I I won the state title in New South Wales that year. So I would have been competing for 2 years before that. So yep. I pro- I think I was competing from 11. Wow. Um, yeah, that 10 11 young. in the grommets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had a few years of grommets to to kind of work up to that that point, but I think Hughesy was the real 
Like I, I was good on the East Coast for, for yeah. winning comps and stuff and, you know, guys like Dallas Singer and um, there's there's a few other blokes from back in those days. Um, Pete Gazondi actually was one of the real guys I used to compete against. He's at Newey and yeah. um, I, I was pretty aggressive. They can tell you more stories about me in a competition <laughs> yeah. jersey, but... But Husey, I reckon, was the real the, the real grommet champion back then, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Great style. And WA guys always just charged more yeah. than the East Coast That was the good thing about the national titles, wasn't mm. it? And sort of bringing, back then especially, because mm. they were such big events, mm. and to bring talent from literally all over the country, as it should be. Whereas yeah. these days, the national titles aren't quite as prestigious nah. as uh, they were back then. Like nah. I remember zone titles in the junior yeah. division having to serve five times to get to a final. Exactly. Like, whereas exactly. now the numbers are just... Dropped away. Actually, it's, I don't know. It's a little avenue we can just break off too quickly. Like, you, what are you Your thought? podcast. <laughs> Your answer is what we're interested in. So, um, like, it's just, uh, just I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if there's a brief answer to it, but mm. um, you know, where, where are the juniors? Where are the cadets? Where are the younger guys at the moment? Um, mm. I can only speak on a on a national level in Australia. Mm. Um, I know there's a definite shortage. Mm. Um, I don't know how it is on an international scale. Whether it's there's a similar vibe. Mm. Um, from your experience what do you see going on in Australia compared to the rest of the world yeah I think I've got my own ideas about what it might be and they may well be wrong but for me I often think about those glory years which you were the pro rider from town at that point I was the Grom Neevesy was there too the, you know you guys were kind of up there yeah. pursuing it and, and it looked like a really viable career path like it really was to be a pro bodyboarder was a real thing mm. that had um an opportunity to, to kind of grow with. And so I think that back then there was a lot more young people in it because they could see something that they could go to. Mm-hmm. Um, today, I don't think that pathway is as clear. Mm-hmm. And I also think that there was a pretty pivotal moment in my progression as a bodyboarder when it must have been around 98 or 99 when the world tour really kind of became much more of a draw for the the top Australian riders. So mm-hmm. before then, I think 99 was the, was one of the good years of the Aussie tour. So it must've been into the, actually into the 2000, the year 2000, it actually really was. So into the year 2000, the top riders really went, went up. Yep. So Ben player, Ryan Hardy, Toby, um, Lester, Kingy, Yep. All those guys started to go away. Uh, and those names you just mentioned, are they of similar age to you? or are they, are you, They're a little bit really, older. Yeah, I thought you were just under them age-wise. Yeah, no, it's actually, I think, I think, yeah, like I'm probably a good four years younger oh, right. than, than a lot of those thought, guys. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think most of those fellas are into the early 40s now, 41, 42. Yep. I think Toby was the eldest of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was just a point where they all left and, and I feel like, at that point, the Australian tour started to crumble because the top names were no longer competing in Australia. Uh-huh. They were competing overseas. Right. And I think Changed one me. of the really important things when you are trying to improve yourself as a, as a younger bodyboarder is to have opportunities to battle it out with your uh-huh. heroes. Yeah. And when that goes away, there is a big, like, empty space there. And point, yeah. yeah, I feel yeah. like that. I mean, there were some guys that didn't go away, and I should give credit to them like guys like John Crookshank who is one of the best competitors Australia's ever had um he's he was here and still kind of pushing it around but all those real marquee guys that had all the big sponsors and yeah they just left and I feel like that is a factor and, and that factor persists today because we've still got this idea that a world tour 
is what we need in bodyboarding, but I don't believe that for a second. I, I think what we need is really strong national tours uh-huh. that feed into something bigger. And yeah. I'm a big advocate for just one world championship. Yep. So there's no world tour, just have one big event and we all qualify from our areas. Yep. I think that would bring on some more of these juniors and give them something to fight for. And have like a junior world championship and a life. Maybe, well. maybe include all that kind of stuff, but also I still think it's just that that ability to compete against your heroes and, mm-hmm. and measure yourself against right. them regularly, yep. Yep. which keeps you in it and keeps you motivated. And if you don't have a world tour and you've got strong national tours, you've got like, you can earn money. Yeah. You, you, like yep. the cost of doing, I think I joked to you about when we went to the King of the Box um, a while back and <laughs> yeah. it literally was the first time I could legitimately <laughs> say I was a pro bodyboarder because I made money on the trip. Yeah. 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 And like, that's Crazy. shocking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and you didn't yeah. retire off that window. Did I you? didn't retire. Well, I came second, so I couldn't retire at that point. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny got me there. Yeah, but yeah, I couldn't retire at the state times, there, so, I reckon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> nah, John's great. But, yeah. but you know, like it, it is that thing. So I think the answer is, I mean, in other places around the world, you do see, like, I've, I've spent been lucky enough to spend a bit more time in Hawaii over the last four years before mm-hmm. COVID. Um, there's a lot of younger guys coming up through there, like like local guys who rip. Yep. Um, you saw Sammy Martino come mm. onto the world tour and really smash it. Um, there's another guy in particular who I think could be a really big deal, um, Kavika Kamai. Um, he's Hawaiian a guy. Hawaiian guy, yep. amazing rider, really yep. versatile. So, you know, there's a lot of talent. But and there's some great guys in in mainland US, Craig Wetter, um, Tanner, of course. Yeah, there's yeah. great young guys in Chile and Brazil. So there are good. There's talent around the world. I just think maybe for Australia, I, and I, there is talent here. I'm not going to like take away from guys like Liam Lucas, and um, there's a lot of other younger guys like him who are who are kind of pushing it along. Harley Ward. Yeah. But I just don't know if they're seeing it like a career path like I saw it at their age. Mm, no, there definitely has a. Mm an outsider looking in there doesn't seem to be the sponsors don't have the budgets to support riders the way they used to no not even close no not even close not even close yeah which i think comes back to at the moment there's just not that new generation coming through and sales in the whole industry are down a bit yeah i think they've got a bump with covid i think like but that bump i don't think has happened necessarily with young riders i think it's actually happened with 40 plus riders <laughs> like our generation yeah, who yeah. are re-engaging with bodyboarding which is super cool mm. but it is really a complicated thing to unpack because you could argue that um maybe bodyboarding is an older guy's sport now and mm. we should focus on that and make that a really good wholesome experience for everyone and just yeah. who cares about the young ones if they want to do it they'll be with us but at the same time, nobody wants it to die on the vine. So that's right. That, that, that's I feel a, like, you know, it's kind of a tough one because mm. there's a shitload of 40-plus-year-olds buying bodyboards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe we need a pro tour that yeah. gets them involved yeah, more, you yeah. know? Like, I don't know. It's yeah. it's really it's difficult. Hard, hey. I know that you've thought about it a lot more than a lot of other people too because you want you want the, what's best for the sport. and yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's that. I think I've just got my own lived experience in bodyboarding, which was equal parts really exciting but disappointing mm-hmm. and and I think that I don't I just don't want a young kid to go through some of the some of that pain I went through yeah. along the way even though it's good it helped me form my character and I think I turned out okay but Debate. if it can be <laughs> <laughs> if it can be avoided because it's a clearer proposition to a rider 
to say, hey, here's what bodyboarding is and what it looks like, get into it. Yeah. Well, then, great. They might just have a good time, yeah. which would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Now, that, people just have to experience it that first time. Like us, like we got hooked, it seemed like we got hooked so easy, hey, back in we the day. We did, we so. did. But it was a good moment. Like, we, there was a lot going on back then. And, and you know, there was, there was opportunity. There was excitement. There was money. Mm. There was... Um, innovation in boards like you know even that I I feel like there is some innovation happening with some brands doing some cool things um, both with sustainability but also with performance but uh, bodyboarding really went through a big changing period I reckon when we were first into it where Mm. the the materials changed the shapes changed early 2000s yeah Yeah. a lot happened and it got really cool but um yeah yeah, I don't know I don't know about it um I have high hopes that it will sort itself out, though. Yeah, mm. no, we, we we must live in hope for sure. It's, mm. it's too good to lose. Um, so going back to your younger days, yeah. like um, like as I was saying before, you were a really competitive little bugger. I remember, mm. like every wave, a lot of surfs. When you this is what definitely went a younger Josh Kirkman. I'm talking about. Yeah. Now. not so much Josh Kirkman these days. A bit more cruisier. But back then, every wave was surfed nearly bit. like you're in a comp, nearly, you know? Yeah. Like, cause it was just like, right, what can I make of this wave? And mm. um, and I enjoyed that having that in the water, as I sort of touched on before. Yeah. But um, but when it comes to your early... Do you have a fondest competition memory or or maybe a rival? You did mention Brad Hughes before yeah. as a grommet, but do you have a favourite competition the, memory? The or? funny thing is with Hughes, he, I don't, he wouldn't have seen me as a rival because he was just smoking us. So, like, there was no rivalry yeah. there at all. Who was um, Josh Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just would be like, I'm here to win and then I'll win and I'll go home. Um, and, but I think that... I don't know, it's a funny thing because I think the, one of the things about being a young kid who is super competitive, and you, you're right, I was super competitive and, and really focused on competition as my pathway through the sport. And I look back on that and I, I don't regret it, but I'd do it differently uh-huh. if I could have my time again. Yeah, I'd, right. I'd do a few things differently. That um, surprises me. I sort of thought that's, that was exactly who you were at that stage I know I know and it's still part of who I am today yeah but there's certain things that other riders did during that journey that I think made them better riders so you know I actually had a a question I was going to ask you if you a bit of a cliche question Mm. um what would a a modern day Josh if he was thinking about 15 year old yeah so we sort of can calm down (laughs) (laughs) now calm down and also like be competitive and try and like be that guy that wants to win everything, but but recognize that um, it's how you win that matters. Right. Like, yep. and it's the style. I can tell you by have. the way you've answered that that you have this is you've thought about this sort of stuff. Yeah, because not... I'm I, I came back to it. Yeah. And true. so yeah. I, I came back to bodyboarding at thirty. Yeah. And yeah, it must be thirty. Actually, more like thirty-two. Yeah. yeah. And um, I I used my skills I already had. To, mm-hmm. to go back to the highest level and I got there mm-hmm. but it wasn't an, it's not enough like to be on the level with the guys there yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. I've had to look back on my own style my approach and the competition strategy bit's pretty solid for me that's always been the easy bit yeah. but how I ride the waves and what I do and what it looks like matters yeah. Yeah, and yeah. 
I think you, yeah. you, you sort of stuck true to yourself a little bit though. Um, mm. It's no secret that mm. you're not the guy out there busting the big backflips nonstop nah. and the ARSs. You're, nah. you're, you're sticking with style, solid moves. and that On the stuff. face and whatnot. Yeah, so that's sort of something. I know, I know. And I like, I like that I stayed true there, but I also like there's elements of my approach that I would love to clean up. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. there's certain things I'd love to get better at. Like, I'd love to be able to do, um, to have a better style when I'm in the air. Like, yep. when I'm doing, I'd love to do an ARS and I look at it myself and go, oh, that looked nice. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't. <laughs> you know, like, when I do it, I look like, oh, man, that's, that's But not, you're comparing yourself cool. to the best, which is That's where I'm going to look. That's, yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. you know, but guys like Amori Laverne, in particular, I think Amori's a really good example of a guy that, consistently throughout his whole career was competitive but always improving himself and refining what he was doing and I think Mitch Rawlins is the classic example of someone who went through that hard period of stripping back everything he did on a bodyboard and then rebuilding it from the basics up in the kind of in that that mentorship period with Mike Stewart where I thought he was weird I was like what's Mitch doing he used to bust out massive things and his legs would be all over the place and he'd, yeah. he'd just win and he he had a funky kind of approach to it all. But yeah. then he became a rail-to-rail surfer and he didn't do flips for like, I don't know how long it took. Yeah, but like yeah. there, was, there was almost seemed like years that he wasn't doing anything radical. Yeah, yeah. And he'd be hitting sections and doing kind of like like weird like tweaks. and But it was really stylish and yeah. it was that rebirth of his style that I think... Yeah. turned him into what people would call the best crowd. one of the best guys ever so yeah, yeah. but it took years yeah it didn't just happen hey. it did not just yeah. happen like it yeah. took like I reckon it, it definitely took like five to ten years yeah. of of reworking of everything to get to the point that Mitch Rollins is who he is today and I look at that and I wasn't willing to even entertain that <laughs> because I was like I can't win if I do what he's doing yeah, like yeah, yeah, and yeah. I like winning yeah. so it's yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Like, I like the competitive success I was able to have as a kid. Um, I like where it got to, even where I managed to get to the first time I was on the world tour and, you know, got a good result at Shark Island once. I managed mm-hmm. to win a comp in New York and, you know, yeah, that was really yeah, cool that, to get some of those I was results. ask about that international win. Mm. Like, is that, that'd be a fond memory. Yeah, that was in that New is, York. That is, that is. Rockstar. Yeah, it was a Rockstar like, Pro. It was, uh, yeah. it was sick. It was good to win something at that level yeah. I mean it's um, and in terms of fond memories of that period I reckon that is a fond one just because you know we were all on the move it was when uh, John Scholl was there Bray Pettiford who's a guy I used to compete with as a girl I can't really even recall oh, no, I know yeah. like the Scholl brothers were sick out of Cronulla they were ripping yeah, and right. yeah so it's a it was a good time um, to be working like to be competing against those guys so so how does that rate against um like local wins, like you were actually local sports person of the year twice. <laughs> yeah. The Foster Tun Great Lakes area. I know, I know. There's still wins. They win. It's great to be acknowledged. Oh, look, there's at, nothing. Like at a local level, yeah. too, I suppose. Like you there's know, nothing you've had better. An international level yeah, yeah, yeah. sports person of the year. So yeah. Frowned upon. Oh, really. look, it's great that um, I always felt through my youth in Foster Tun that I was an ambassador for bodyboarding in the local community and kind of breaking down some of that because through all that period there was that division much stronger division between surfing and bodyboarding oh, and all that crap. that's a whole different story isn't it yeah, yeah but it's... but the fact that i was able to um to put bodyboarding always in the spotlight always yeah. get it on the front page of the paper 
you know, when I'm winning, I get to promote it. And, you know, when you've got a dad that's willing to promote you all the time, yeah. you got you here taking photos all the time. Like, it's a pretty good combination to, yeah, yeah. to really advance a cause or advance an idea of what wave riding can be in, yeah, a, in yeah. a local community. So I th- I've always felt like that, that work that we did was always a real positive for bodyboarding. And I think that maybe that's something that's lacking a little bit today mm-hmm. because everybody looks at social media as their mm. way to promote themselves, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. But some of these local papers, like even when I won the state title the other well, month, I was on the front page of the paper again, and you know, like it's it was years since I've been there. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But you know, like I'm on the paper again, and everyone's like, people in the community are like, "Oh, cool!" I'm like, "Thanks." Yeah, and so, but that's like that somebody's grandma would have read that. Yeah, Yeah. and they're like, "Oh, bodyboarding," and it kind of reconnects with the community and lets Mm. them know that it's a thing. Whereas if it's always on Instagram or social media, like there's a whole group of the population that aren't going to really see it. So yeah. I've always felt like that was a good thing. And yeah, yeah, fond memories for sure. Getting sports person of the year in the community mm. was great. There was yeah, yeah. people who did real sports who <laughs> didn't win, you know, like I remember yeah. a guy, Brett Lee was the, um, the triathlete. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't I mean, a triathlon. He was a triathlete. He was a triathlete. And like, right. I mean, this guy's killing it. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he's literally, it's a fit little dude, oh, I man. and like yeah. fit as hell, yeah. like killing himself <laughs> for his sport. You were going surfing. I was going surfing and I'm still winning. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. Sweet. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Very cool. Um, and another thing, I, uh, it's a name I just have to put out there. Just It was a, a, a pretty big part of my bodyboarding growing up. Mm. Uh, and I think it was probably even a bigger part for you. And that's mm. Stu's. Yeah, and yeah. Stuart. And just yeah. how he... You know, um, I was thinking about the other day. How are you going to frame this? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the podcast you'll forever chase, I think. I and, think so and, too. And you've got to somehow get that because the I listeners will. would love to, I don't know where you will end up, but, um, you know, he was sort of probably guilty of trying to turn boys into men before they were ready to be men. Yeah. And you could, I'm sure guys like Adam Keegan could relate. 100%. Ben Holland, another 100%. great mate of yours. 100%. Yeah, so, but... You, do you have a sort of particular stew story? Oh, look, there's so and, many, yeah. <laughs> and they're all fine. But some of them, there's a lot. He was good at tough love, you know. Tough love. And I yeah, think well, that, well. yeah, I think that Stu's always had his heart in the right place when he was doing this turning boys into men type thing. And I'll share. <laughs> I don't know which ones to share. Well, there's there's one. There's an earlier one which. You know, he he pushed me pretty far once, and and it just got to this point. I think we we're in WA for a comp, and I was staying with him and Ben and Tyson Williams, and um, I'm in my I'm it's a dream world, mm. you know, like I'm seventeen and I'm hanging out with these guys, yeah, like yeah. it's amazing yeah. for me, yeah. like I'm, you know, kind of still trying to come up for air from it, and <laughs> you know, and I'm getting brutal grommet abuse you know like I'm yeah. you know and it's constant I remember I, I was competing I remember he sponsored me at the time with Inverted um, him and Keys Tuesday, Tuesday. yeah right yeah they, they started that brand and yeah. I was on, on board with them and yeah. I was competing and it was at the box and we were all in the same car and those guys left during my heat to go shoot photos somewhere else oh nice yeah and I'm just like out in the water he's sponsoring me I think he might have even paid for my ticket yeah and I come in, I'm like, 
where's my stuff? <laughs> you know, like I got got no stuff. Like I'm here, and then I don't. You know, I find them later in the day, probably back at the Margaret River campsite or cabins where we were staying, and and I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, I was in the water. You sponsor me. You take photos, and you bug it off with everyone else, and just left me hanging. And I'd love to hear what his response. Oh no, it was it got it got pretty heated, and I wasn't backing down for once. Yeah. And and you know, like I had to, I, I was just like, oh, I don't get it, I don't get it. Like you know, and I snapped. And yeah. to his credit, you know, like he, I went off and I stayed somewhere else for a while, and oh. then yeah, yeah, I left. Yeah, right. And I and and you know, like he came back later, and he he was like, he didn't really apologise, but he did show he did show remorse, and I. <laughs> <laughs> And Stu's showing remorse is, is a sincere yeah. thing. So yeah, yeah. there was that. But, like, the best thing that ever happened with him, and I'll never forget it because it was really it was really profound at the time, but I was competing in um, Tahiti at the... I was hoping there was a Tahiti story. Yeah, there's always a Tahiti story <laughs> with him because he was so addicted to the place. And, and it was great to be able to be in Tahiti with Stu's and with Ben in particular because they had such a deep relationship with the place. And... A lot, I think a lot of the other guys that went there kind of only ever really got a superficial experience of Tahiti where they, they'd stay in a nice kind of villa and the family would make nice food for them and they'd have a nice boat and they'd go to the wave and they'd come back and they'd do that nice thing and just go back and forth without really engaging much with the local community. So because with Stu's we used to stay back towards Papaiti where was it? It was it was probably a good forty five minute drive to Chopu from there. Yeah, there's family over there, didn't exactly. you? Exactly. So I got to be with his family. Yeah. I, I got to like experience like a real family experience in Tahiti, and it was amazing to get that experience. And one year I was staying there, and it was the two thousand and three year when Kingy ended up winning, and I was there with Ryan Hardy and Ben, myself, and we were all staying with Stu's there, and Stu's is taking photos and. I'd surf my heats and I got one really good wave in the in that comp that year, like a big one and it scared the shit out of me, but I did it and I got out of it and I was like, yeah, I belong here. Um, the last day of competition, it was a bit smaller and this is when it got called off because uh, Tamaga injured himself really badly uh-huh. and the swell was picking up so quickly. I think he busted his knee open and his heat like, and it was really bad, supposedly. I never saw it, but the jet ski had to take him in. The ambulance that was waiting had to go to the hospital, and we had no ambulance and no uh, water safety kind of. So then, happened. exactly. Yeah. So the comp, the organisers are like, we can't run this comp. Not in these conditions. Not in these conditions and with no ambulance waiting. So it got called off. And in that heat that I had, I'd, I'd managed to surf my heat that day, and I think it was Jeff Hubbard, Mitch Rawlins, and Cedric Defoy, who was a French guy, and we were in the same heats throughout because it was that sessions format. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, I that so this is the last time we surfed together, and I was having a shit heat, and there was a point I just made this decision. I ended up dropping in on Cedric Defoy, and Stu's was in the water, and then at the end of the day, it's all settled down. He comes in, and you know, like he's he. You know, like he kind of—he's always so exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. Like he puts Sunburn, himself. Oh, just, I've never seen a man peel like he peels. Yeah. But he sat me down. He's like, Josh. Yesterday at Chokes, you surfed like a man. Huh. Today, you surfed like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I did. You had to take that one. Yeah, I took it because yeah. I was like, yeah, I did. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, and it was yeah. just good advice, you know, like it was just this good moment of typical <laughs> Stu's tough love, probably politically incorrect today. But it was a good um, Stu's moment. But, you know, he's got a hard goal and I think his contribution to bodyboarding is way bigger than it's given credit for. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what I always yeah. liked about Stu's was how... Um, he pushed everyone mm. to do ridiculous things, mm. but you reversed the role yeah. and put him on a board he would in do front ridiculous of a heavy things. wave. Yeah. He would do ridiculous yeah. things and yeah. charge incredible waves. Yeah. Like, he was a great bodyboarder too. Yeah. Like he really could ride, so it yeah. wasn't like he was a kook or anything. Like he, he would have a go. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think he sort of had to. They really like because if you call yeah. him into one, there's he yeah. for his own credibility, he couldn't pull back ever, could he? No, no. <laughs> he wasn't you'd, allowed. You'd never hear the end of it if you pulled back on a wave in front of shoes. And on that note, I don't know if it's a Central Coast thing, but Tim Jones was basically the same as yeah. well. Like yeah. just yelling and screaming and calling your yeah. names and you're like, guys, <laughs> you know, like, we're doing our best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did get the best out of us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They had their own interests at heart though to get that I epic think, image, you I know. I think they That's did. But also, you know, they, they guys, both of them had um, history in bodyboarding and, and they did charge themselves i mean no one can say that tim jones never charged a wave oh, like that wire mayor stuff from back yeah, in the yeah. day like yeah still crazy. gets a run still, still gets a run yeah. Yeah. yeah so you yeah. know these guys really knew how to push us that's for sure mm. um i just i wrote down a few notes josh just because I, I was thinking all week just thinking oh, i should do that. i just write that down i should just do notes. i think of it so that's what hence the piece of paper yeah good um professional. one thing I, I did notice i'd written down here is um the outlaw just <laughs> the, the name, you had your own model there at one point i know like, oh, is no. there a quick explanation as to why it was called the outlaw? Well, like, I think you know, to, no to, Kelly type to they, exactly to, to to the credit of um, Shane and Mark Britton of Nomad Bodyboards, who yeah, were very big supporters of mine, and they remain friends today. Um, I I think they wanted to do something for me, but they knew it was too early to do everything for me. So yeah, yeah. they tried to come up with something that worked, and I think they saw that I was a little bit left of center uh-huh. in most aspects of my life, and they figured Outlaw would be an apt description. Right, so so they come I feel up like that, that was it, but then the other one was, um, yeah, like they definitely, yeah, they definitely just went with that and yep. then I think the next year they just put my name on it. Right. That was okay. Yeah, then. Yeah. So, They're probably collector's items these days, you know, the, the new trend of collector's uh, boards. I bet you there's not many people. Let Josh know. If you've yeah. got yourself an Outlaw model, let him know. Well, I know oh, that I, um, yeah. Davis Blackwell, is um, his first board was a Kirkman board. Right. And yeah. I believe your dad's got one. I think he's got one stuffed around, like yeah. some in some dark corner of the garage. It. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Could be worth a million dollars one day. Well, you <laughs> never know. You never um, know. How we go for time, Josh? Like, just quickly, like, I, don't, I didn't put a clock on it. Just talk until you finish your thing. Cut it in half. And I whatever can do whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's how usually the battery. That's that half an hour, so, yeah. Right, cool. No worries. We can keep going. Good um, but it's it's no secret to everyone that Josh was this red hot grom on the scene early two thousands I suppose getting towards two thousand five mm. two thousand six, mm. and and you kind of vanished. I did vanish off the tour and yeah, I kind of know the story and I know it's probably something that strikes chords with you a bit about the pipe contest and all that. Is that somewhere you want to go and have a quick oh, talk? Oh, cool about? talking about it. Yeah. Like it, it's it's fine. I, 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 mean. I know it was a big thing and it, it affected your approach to bodyboarding and. Yeah, a, a lot. And uh, from my understanding of, of the quick version, you if you could elaborate on it, was that you were in the pipe contest, Maui, Maui. It was Honolulu Bay, right? So it wasn't in pipe. Pipe, yeah. okay. Yeah, but you were cruising through the comp, going pretty good. Yeah, missed the missed the phone call to say the comp was on. Yeah, never showed up for your heat. Yeah, 
Go on. In addition to that, I was currently sixth on the ratings at the time and within striking range of a world title. Oh, geez. So that was the real That's, that's where the, the knife comes Yeah, that's where the then. knife gets a bit deeper. I don't know if I quite realised that you were a potential world yeah, title yeah. contender. Yeah, I was. I was. I was. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that it, sort of makes the whole thing <laughs> clearer to me. So. But look, I mean, I think the bigger picture around all that is, is that, you know, when you make competition your whole focus in a career and then something like that happens, mm. it really pulls the rug out from underneath you yeah. with, like, what am I doing with this? Yeah. And, and you know, like, it's I did something you would have worked so hard to get to and you yeah. were tracking. And, and look, then it just stopped. Look. There was a bit of luck. Like, not luck, I shouldn't say. Like, the Shark Island Challenge set me up for that mm-hmm. position. Because you had a... I came fourth. fourth. I came fourth. And some, and I know that there's people out there who think that was even generous for me to get that result at the time. I know there is some controversy around that because I spent my whole career with my father, you know, being that dad that wanted to help Um, out and make things happen. So he got involved in the sport and he was managing and trying to build bodyboarding on that international level. And I know when I got that fourth place, I was speaking to someone about this the other day that there were people that were like, how the hell did that happen? And, And I know how it happened. Yep. I surfed better than everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, the funny thing is that I think in the first round of that competition, I, I was coming 11th on the leaderboard and I got two decent waves. Like, I mean, they're well documented. I did a pretty good role. And the only reason why I did that role was because Steve McKenzie, Bullet was out there in the heat before me and the heat kicks off. And I think it was my second Shark Island challenge. And it's the best comp you could be in. Like, so, so this, yeah. sorry, Josh, was this, were you, was this a progression event? That, uh, no. That was like the surf this point, was the, point, point accumulation. The sessions thing, thing yeah. yeah. So I just remember really clearly, and this is a good memory of bodyboarding is, <laughs> you know, bullets out there. He's paddling in from the point. It was pretty big Shark Island. It's the year that Winnie did a massive, he got this massive airdrop, um, kind of acid drop. It was sick. Yeah. And, um, and he, said to I, I was looking at this wave he goes you're gonna go that one and i'm like i don't know should i he goes yeah that one's gonna connect up on the inside really like you know he's like that one's gonna be a sick <laughs> one and i'm like looking into the future yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and i'm like all right and then i go it and i just kind of like stay you know i'm deep up the point of shark island and i come down and there's this massive bowl and i just hit it and do a pretty good roll and i'm like oh sweet that's a good yeah. start there's and one one and then i get another one and i get a decent barrel and come out I'm like there's two that's all i needed yeah. So I was doing okay in the first round. In the second round, I remember it really well because the waves were really rubbish. Like uh-huh. they were at that point in the waiting period where they had to make a decision and they had to run it or otherwise the event might not finish and nobody wanted to do that. So it, and it was super early in the morning because the tides made, we well, had mm. to start super early. So in my heat, the sun was coming up and I don't know how the judges could, pick out everything like the spotters for that event yeah. must have been working so hard so yeah. glary early in the morning rubbish shark island nobody's watching <laughs> you know like nobody's there yeah, to yeah, enjoy yeah. it and i surf i got two really good waves in that heat yeah nobody saw them though <laughs> yeah, like yeah, i know yeah, they yeah, happened yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the judges know they happened yeah yeah and you know like and i remember the two, first one two heats that's that's it that's that was waves. that's it four waves count and i remember the first wave Took off, did a spin on the takeoff at Shark Island, come around the bottom, got a bit of a barrel, did a big roll out of it. I'm like, that's a winner right there. And then the second one, bigger wave, come around the bottom, did a roll. I was like, okay, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So I came in 
feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like, all right, well, I, could, I knew I was 11th. Yeah, yeah. I reckon I'm going to be up a bit higher here. Yeah, yeah. So I knew that. And so when it came to getting the result, like nobody was paying attention. So there was this kind of idea. I know that it's out there, that it was some kind of daddy helping me get through. And I was like, well, I know what I did. Yeah. Um, from that point, that's what set me up for the world title. Yeah. And I feel like there was definitely this um, kind of this head scratching still going into that yeah, last event right. about what's Josh Kirkman doing this far up on the, on the rankings. Yeah, yeah. And, and I kind of knew it and felt it, but I was still having a good crack. So that added another layer of kind of pressure to uh-huh. me, I think, at the time. And yeah, that yeah. was the big... Um, that's why it was maybe such a big disappointment for me because I was trying so hard to mm-hmm. prove others wrong that I yep. meant to be there. So yeah. I'd already made it through to the quarterfinals, um, which kept me in the race. You know, I had a heat with, I think it was Lester and Toby and someone else, I can't remember. But, you know, that was the one I didn't turn up to. Right. So the end was done. Right. And, you know, I, I... So that was a quarterfinal heat that you never made. Never got to the quarterfinal. Yeah, right. I never turned up. Never turned yeah. up. Fourth place. Fourth, fourth place there. I finished seventh in the world that year without wow, even surfing my way yeah, through. Yeah, so yeah. we had one comp in Portugal as well yeah. to, to do the points. I think I finished ninth there or 13th or something like that. So it was enough to be in striking range. And yeah. Kingy won it, won his second title that year. And, you know, mm. he's a deserving champion. So there's no way that that's a, um, a criticism of him. I mm. had to surf really well to beat him at the time. Mm. Like, mm. that's the King era. Yeah. So no, but it was a, it was a real big disappointment and I didn't vanish away completely. But at the time I, I remember I was questioning a lot of stuff anyway. And uh-huh. you know, I was going to university and I was trying to figure out like, what am I going to do with my life? Um, I was a bit jaded with the sport already. Anyway, I'd been competing for so uh-huh. long. I was getting a bit tired. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. that was just really the house of cards fell down. So yeah, yeah. I, I just, dabbled nomad was supporting me human shoes was supporting me yep. i was getting paid to bodyboard still yep but it, it was gone yeah yeah it was gone yeah so i just kind of floated around with it for a year so that's when like i sort of um noticed josh was gone like he was there was never days when i'd be at janey's corner um surfing by myself and go yeah here he comes yeah, yeah, he yeah. Used to just rock up <laughs> and i was just like here comes josh someone to share yeah. some awesome waves with and stuff and yeah and so you went overseas you yeah well the story it's a kind of an ironic story because the when it finally ended was in the canary islands because i went overseas i had a girlfriend at the time i chased over there to go on a big journey with we ended up working in pubs in england i put on 10 kilos didn't nice. surf in got real pasty times. yeah like just getting fat <laughs> Not bodyboarding, and then there was an event scheduled for the Canary Islands, and I was like, "Well, I've got my gear." I went and did the events in Europe, and it was like just moment after moment there was some drama at the events for me. I remember being violently ill at Sintra, um, ended up missing a heat at another, missed the start of a comp in the north of Spain because I got stuck in a car driving bloody third. Like it was just everything (laughs) went wrong. Yep. And then I was in England getting fat and drinking <laughs> heaps of alcohol. Like, you know, just drinking beers, having a good time, not bodyboarding. Mm. And um, and then I was like, well, I'll go to this Canary Islands event because it's on the tour and, you know, I'll see how I feel. A week from the out from the event, it gets called off because the sponsors dropped out or there was mm. some drama. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, all right, I guess I'll go to the Canary Islands, just hang out for a week or so. Yep. I went there and surfed. And 
I hated it. Yeah. And and I you was meant that when you said that then. Yeah, <laughs> and I felt I was sore. Like mm-hmm. I remember I did a roll and I hurt my shoulders. I was so out of form. And I and I before I left, I just bundled all my gear together and I sold it all to some kid. <laughs> like everything. Wetsuit, flippers, flippers. board bag, boards. Wow. And I got back on the plane with nothing. And that was the end of bodyboarding for me. Yeah. And I And you come home? No, I was in yeah. England. I stayed yeah. in England. I so drank I'm, more beer. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was great. So, this, like, like I was saying before, there's this big chunk in, the, in your life timeline yeah. that I don't know about. And yeah. all I do know is that you were on a sailboat a lot. I was. Sailing around the Atlantic yeah. Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Your first, like, like, I don't know what you're doing. You're, the Atlantic Ocean, it can be a pretty wild place. I suppose it's it was a great yeah, experience. Yeah, caught in some wild seas and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was another way to engage with the ocean for me. And, and also through that, off the back of that time, I, like, so I went and did this sailing thing, saw a lot more of the world, saw lots of different parts of the world. Um, some things I loved about it, some things I hated. Um, but, you know, in the, like, I managed to do four Atlantic crossings sailing. And How far is that an Atlantic crossing? Oh, jeez. Oh. Hundreds of nautical miles? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thousands. Thousands? Yeah, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, like, yeah. it's a big trip. And, um, you know, it's like the last time I did it was about 18 days. We had a lot of problems along the way, but yeah, it was 18 <laughs> days at sea. But yeah. it's cool. It's a great part of my life and I yeah. I love it and I've got good friends from it. But, you know, I ended up back in university. I ended up finishing my degree. Mm. And that really pushed me into this sustainability space and mm. kind of looking at um, you know, environmental impact and stuff. So that's, that's kind of the positives out of this. I got away from bodyboarding long enough to build my own future off my, another way of, you know, having a job, making money, getting on with life. So no, it was, it was a good thing to have a break from it. Um, but yeah, coming back to it, was probably was definitely the best thing I've done. Yeah, because, right. But well, that's that's great. Yeah. You've brought that up now because that's where I was hoping this conversation was going to go. Big so, circles. Um, I was like, yeah, from it again, just from my point of view. Yeah. Next thing, um, you're back doing the, the world tour. It's yeah. Just like, <laughs> what? What's he? He's just jumped straight in the deep end. Here, I know. And and I remember having this. moment, I think the comp. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Chile, maybe yeah. mega mega ways, like yeah, it was ten really foot plus. Yeah. And I was watching it live, which yeah. is so cool. Yeah. Um, and you were up and like you caught this wave that must have been 12 foot a big I'll wide. let you call the size oh <laughs> if I was in front of it I'd be like 25 feet but yeah you got a massive barrel on a yeah. I went holy shit yeah. Where, where's he been what's he been doing mm. how's he gone from being nowhere seen surfing to surfing that wave yeah and I was like I was as surprised as you like I was scared to death and it was a big wave yeah it was a big wave it was really i do yeah i know the wave it was really scary and um it was um well i didn't come out of the blue i think you might remember (laughs) that i came to the jeff wilcox memorial in 2016 i I did get a 10 and i was riding my kirkman model that i dusted off in the garage and not the outlaw not the outlaw i'd moved on from the outlaw okay but i was on my original board my nomad board and you know like i turned up and the funny part of that story was I was, I was in the um, Opens and the Masters and I missed my heat in the Opens. Right. And, like, I remember driving out from Foster to uh, Boomerang where the comp was and I realised I'd missed my heat and I pulled over on the side of the road and I was having a panic attack. Mm. And I'm just like, 
I fucking missed my heat again. Like, yeah. Again. I fucking, <laughs> and I'm reliving all of this experience oh. of that moment in Maui and how yeah. it felt. Like oh, everything wow. is coming through me and I'm on the side of the road like like in front of the Lakesway pie shop. Yeah, right. You know, like yeah, I'm yeah, right yeah. there. I was breathing with you. Know, 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 know. Know. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> fuck. And I'm just like, oh, I can't believe this. This is. I just dipped my toe back into bodyboarding <laughs> and this has happened again. And this time it was my fault. It was yeah. 100% my fault. Yeah, yeah. Got the times wrong, just bugging yeah. it up. Yeah. And, I, and I sat there and I even turned around and started driving back into town. I was like, fuck this. Fuck it. I'm going home. And I was driving and I just like, just like feeling so <laughs> gross and just so, oh, the anxiety was through the roof. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, I was like, what are you doing? Like, it's, nobody cares. Like, you know, like, and I, and yeah, and then I, <laughs> I turned around and I, and I got out there for my um, master's heats. And I was like, it's probably a better start anyway. Like, yeah. it, Jace Finlay, who oh, else I was in that? Joe guy. Clark was you know, there. Jace Finlay is a name you don't hear a lot of. He'd be one of my favourite Should favorites be more about service. him, yeah. 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 Oh, he's exceptional. The way he, uh, I don't know. He's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. He's one of my personal favourites. Yeah. Members, and you barely hear anything of him. <laughs> no, he's a quiet achiever. Yeah. But he won it. And yeah. he won the yeah. Opens. Yeah. And, cool, yeah. and, you know, I managed to progress through the final of the men's and, and I, I came second and I was stoked. Um, Sean Peterson. Ah, yeah, but he's he great. He's solid. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, oh, and look, I'd done nothing in the lead up to it. And so I had a great experience there and that really, and then I think it was coupled, I was back in town at the time and then Tyson passed away. Uh-huh. And, and you know, like that was shocking as well and really sad. And it was someone You've I spent. you done a fair bit of good travel. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I hadn't seen him in years and I just felt terrible. And I went to his funeral and I saw everyone, you know, like it was like oh. a who's who of bodyboardings yeah, at his funeral. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm there amongst it. I'm like, oh, right. And then I'm seeing everyone and they're happy to see me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm happy to see you. And yeah. And that reinforced, I, I don't know where it came from, but a good mate of mine, um, Dane Wern, he asked me, He's like, why did you have, like, why did you have to go to the world tour? Like, why did you have to do that? Why couldn't you just go bodyboarding again? Yeah. It's a fair question. Yeah, like, yeah. I haven't bodyboarded in 10 years. Yeah. And I make, I think it's the right thing to turn up to the highest level of the sport <laughs> and just throw myself straight in the deep end again. And I'm like, I didn't really have an answer other than it's just how I do it. Mm, you know, mm. I'm either zero or a hundred yeah, yeah. on everything in life. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm not into it, I'll just drop it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm okay. Yep. Like it. But yep. if I'm into it, like I go right into it. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was pretty humbling at first. You know, I went to Brazil, rocked up. I'm this old guy from Australia. <laughs> I remember bumping into Louis in the surf out there one morning. And he's like, you know, Louis is a pretty cool dude. And, He's like, I can just tell. He's like, who the fuck's this old guy? From? Like, who's this Aussie guy? I don't even know who he is. And then he's, you know, start talking. And then he's like, oh, I remember, I remember you. But it's this real vague memory. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. wow, I mean nothing anymore in this sport, <laughs> which is right, which is fair. I didn't, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was out of it for so long. And um, yeah, so like, it was, it was really humbling. And I should say before that, I just rocked up to Hawaii too. Like, I just rocked up to Pipeline before I went on the world tour because I thought I should go and see how I feel in that yeah, space yeah, yeah. and I remember paddling out at Pipe and you know Hub's in the lineup, and we kind of haven't seen him in nearly 10 years and um, we, he looks at me and I could see he was having a double take and yeah. I'm like oh yeah Hub it's Josh Kirkman he goes 
yeah, I know. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, good to see you, man. You know, so it was this, it was just this really good reintroduction to guys. Like I, I kept caught up with Mike there for the first time in years, Dave Hubbard. All these guys were so happy to see me yeah, and, yeah. and they wanted to know what was up and yeah. I got to feel like I was part of it all again. Yeah. yeah. So that was beautiful. So the trip to Hawaii is like just that, solid. That was solid. Yeah. yeah. And, and I got some sick waves and I was like, oh, I can do this. And yeah, you know, yeah. I was feeling pretty good. Yeah. But then yeah, Chile came along and I got belted in the shories, uh, in the, in the trials in Brazil and just like had no chance. And yeah. I got to Chile and then I saw the forecast and I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be like 20 foot. And I'd been watching like old YouTube videos of the comps there yeah, to yeah. prepare for it. That's yeah. all I could do. Yeah, yeah. No real big wave experience like that in years. And yeah, just, I just remember I got through the trials in that and I really was, that was a big what, was relief. Big waves for the trials? Yeah, it was yeah. pretty solid. I, I, I remember doing a pretty big invert that I didn't make, but I managed to get a decent enough score from it. I punched myself in the face when I landed and everything. And, and like, I really put my body on the line to get through into the main event. And then I was in the main event. I was like, Oh, sweet. I'm here. Like yeah. I made it. And then, Straight. Oh, hang on. It's yeah, gonna be 15 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's getting bigger. And I'm like, fuck. And then, um, yeah, the first heat was probably one of the best moments in my whole career because there was the Hooter sounds is this the, the heat I was recalling? No, that was actually the heat after. That was right. the next heat. Yep. This heat, I did an air forward out of the bowl oh, on my first right. wave. Yeah, and I was just kind of like, yeah. I got this wave and this beautiful, like perfect wave. Yeah. Nobody looked at it for some reason. I got it. I do an air forward out of the bowl, land it. Like I hadn't done an air forward in 10 years. <laughs> and I'm like... Good timing for it. <laughs> exactly. And I get like a nine. I think I got a nine. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck. This oh, is real now. Like I'm doing this, yeah. So, <laughs> so from there there was a lot of momentum, and then in that um, in that heat that you remember with this big wave, like I was against the ropes. You know, I had Pierre and Alex Uranga and uh, Eda Luciano, like all top riders, and I was, you know, hoping yeah. for a miracle. Yeah. And you know, it, I wouldn't really call it a miracle because I had to do all of it. Like right. the wave came, and I was just like, "Fuck, this is it!" And then yeah. just got to the bottom of it, and. Yeah, just did you back on. up with the second wave? I, I, I did right at the end. You got, yeah, because you, yeah. you were going good, but you needed more. Yeah, I needed to back it up. I think yeah. I jumped into first place. Pierre went to second. Alex went to third. And then Pierre got another wave just on the hooter and jumped back into first. And then I got another one and yeah. Alex didn't get one. Yeah. And, you know, like that moment was really cool. I think I finished I finished ninth and I was just like sick. Like yeah. I, And I also, I feel like part of that, what was really good about that moment was I felt like I proved something to that generation that was there now like mm. what I was trying to prove 10 years earlier right a bit finally, of off your shoulders yeah a little bit like I finally got to go like yeah I belong here yeah like, yeah and and that was that was it but you know for the four years after that which is funny because the four years from uh, 2017 until oh sorry until 2020 so it's like three and a bit years that's about the same amount of time I spent as a pro bodyboarder in Back my in 20s. Yeah. Right. So it was kind of funny to, like, I've been at that high level competing now longer than I did the first time. Yeah, right. And, and I do want to keep doing it. Like, yeah. if, if the situation presents itself and yeah. if everything gets back to normal like I want to have another go at a world yeah, title yeah. and a bit of unfinished business there you said oh so just I don't know I told myself like I, as a yeah. spectator watching you I, I can't tell if 
Josh Kirkman's there for fun mm. to win, mm. um, to relive his young competitive <laughs> days. I, I'm just not sure. Having a midlife crisis. Why are you doing it? But, yeah. But you're there. Yeah. And you're having a crack. And you're I made a good flag, crack. mate. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's something to be really proud of. Oh, I'm, I'm stoked and I, I appreciate that. And I think the answer to the question is all of the above. Yeah, right. Like, I am having a great time and I am picking up something I lost and I am trying to win. Yeah. And I do feel like I want a world title. Yeah. But, you know, that last question is the tough one and that's only if you ever get that. So mm. if it all comes back together, like, I do want to have a proper crack at it. And that's why, you know, I've kept competing in Australia any chance I get because I want to keep those you know, those muscles work and those juices mm. flowing. So yeah. I'm, when it all comes back, I'm ready in my mindset to do it again. But there's a lot of work physically to do and a lot of mm. um, practice. Like I've managed to achieve up until uh, the Canary Islands in 2019 where I got seventh and I really managed to surf some of my best I've surfed since mm -hmm. I came back. Yep. I felt like I was just using all the skills that I'd already had from mm -hmm. 10 years earlier and just making yeah. them work in different situations. So I was always getting to ninth and never really cracking that. But I spent six weeks in uh, in Portugal with Louis. Yeah. And, uh, you and him have spent a lot of time together, yeah? Yeah, it's he been great. Like a pretty cool lad. Love I it. personally know him. Love it, love it. They're great guys. The three amigos, they're the best guys ever. The, the best human guys rubber ever. band. Oh, yeah, really, I, I know you try your hand at yoga, but I you try know to keep Louis. up. No Louis, no Louis, nobody's <laughs> a Louis, nobody's a Louis. But you know those three guys, George, Louis, and Wingers. Yeah. You know, like they are such exceptional riders, and they're so much fun to hang out with. And I felt really good in their company for okay. that that 2019 season, and yep. that I felt like for the first time in like you know 15 years that I actually got a bit better at bodyboarding. Yeah, yeah. I actually improved on a few things and. And then I went to the Canary Islands and got a great result, like my yeah. best result. So yeah. the momentum up until COVID was really solid. Mm. Like I felt like 2020 was going to be the year where I really yeah. had a great crack at it. Mm -hmm. So the wind was kind of blown out of the sails with COVID, but yeah. it's still here. Like, what's the, yeah. what's the um, a bit of an irrelevant question, but a quick answer maybe, just um, what's the current world tour status with COVID? Is it just completely it's not on? on yeah, it's on hold. Events? It's on hold. We've all yep. got our seedings. The IBC yep. is going to do the tour. Right. Um, that's going to be a big change. It'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, I was hoping for a bit of a change in the whole sit situation towards kind of this one world championship thing because I feel mm -hmm. like it's a better way forward. But yep. that's not going to happen. It's going to be the IBC doing a tour. And um, look, I'll take part in it because I still want to win. Mm. So Great. Yeah. We look forward to watching you win and get barreled on 15 footers. It'd be that'd good be nice. to get in a final. That'd be yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great goal. Yeah, that's so, the next step. That goal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so now we sort of back in the modern day, um, mm. modern day sort of times. Um, but one one thing I did want to talk about because I know it struck you personally and myself. Yeah. Um, that's mine going off. Yeah, it was um, the the recent uh, fatal shark attack at mm. our at our playground, yeah, yeah, Tunko yeah. Beach. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was heavy. Um, yeah, we'd been surfing it right up until those days. Yeah, um, well, it's been my home break for thirty years. Mm. Yours for your entire life, virtually. Yeah, so it was heavy, and uh, yeah. you um you did something pretty amazing there. I'll let you. Well, I know you you shrug it off a bit. I shrug it off, yeah, but. I appreciate it, mm. but 
I don't know, like the it was what so Josh shocking. done just just to yeah, tell the story sure. is um like uh, there was a lot of us locally having troubles with uh, getting back in the water and uh, quick version of the story is that Josh organised a get together by all the, the local surfing community and we mm. all come together as one and uh, we had a, a smoking ceremony mm. performed by a local Aboriginal elder Steve yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah that was your doing so that was uh, I think it helped yeah I think it did and it, it's funny like a lot of people I'm probably giving away my own self interest to be here but like I needed that ceremony. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, it like, helped me, Josh. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but it's it was a community, like it can be perceived. I could tell a story now where I say, I did something for the community. But the true story is, <laughs> I needed that ceremony. Like, yeah. I couldn't get in the water without yeah. something to process what happened and to, to break those bad vibes that were on that beach. And yeah, it's a funny thing. Like I, up until... And up until that ceremony, I couldn't talk about it without breaking into tears. Yeah, no, I knew, I know. It. Yeah, so it's it it really yeah. weird. But like, I think it has a lot to do with, you know, you feel a certain level of responsibility. Like, localism is a funny thing. People think it's this negative where mm. it's just a bunch of apes in the water who basically try to bash any other apes that come from out of town. And it's a real kind of survival of the fittest and intimidation like crap. And I mean, we're bodybuilders, so we've never been able to be the apes. You know, like we've always been picked on by everyone else. So it's never really been our position in the lineup. Um, the when the attack happened, though, like it was a new take on localism for me, where a part of me just felt like I was, I had a responsibility to that guy, to Mark, who died. Sorry, I said his name was Peter. Mark. You Mark. Know. Mark Sanguinetti. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, and my bad. That's all right. And. Um, he, you know, like, it's my beach and he's now dead at my beach. And, my, like, this place that I just thought was beautiful and not going to hurt a fly, mm. it just re- it killed someone. Mm. And it's this weird responsibility. And I kind of, I got interviewed for surf, by Surfline by Sean Doherty. And I kind of, the nearest analogy was, like, it's like we realised that Tung Harry's a pit bull and we thought we just had a nice little kind yeah. of border collie. Yeah. And, you know, the pit bull, you know, it basically bit. And we all knew it was possible as well. Like, we knew that sharks were there and we were all pretty chilled about it. We kind of have, you know, it was almost like a running joke, but, you know, someone died. Mm. So it all becomes none of it. There's nothing funny about it anymore. Like, it's 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 a serious thing. I couldn't process the feeling of that beach anymore. Like, I couldn't... I felt disconnected from it. And I think in our kind of white culture in our, um, you know, European colonial culture that mm. we're not very well connected to the land mm. and, and we're not, we don't have these rituals to engage with the land that Aboriginal people had for thousands of years. Thousands yeah. Years. yeah. So like, amazing, so there's man. a lot of knowledge and culture there. And for me, uh, you know, I've always had a, a relationship of varying depths with um, Aboriginal culture. I'm definitely not going to say I know anything at all to be honest but there's been varying depths of interest and engagement through some of my work and stuff like that and I kind of knew who to talk to and and my friendships too but I knew who to talk to and to find out if it was possible to get this ceremony happening and you know I just had to make a couple of calls and ask if it was possible and if it was if it was like the right thing to do within that cultural worldview Mm. and you know Steve was you know immediately on board and he 
he said, yeah, we need to do that. Like, and oh, like so he he's surfed a there. surfer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a surfer too. So he was like, oh yeah, no, this 100% has to happen. I'm more than happy to be a part mm. of it. And mm. So yeah, then it all happened and we, you know, we did the ceremony and we all took part and it was a, be- it was a beautiful thing, I think, like to, to be able to pay respect to someone who passed away, but to also re-engage with the beach that we loved and forgive it for its yep. sins, you know, like it was... It was definitely a positive thing for me there. And, and you surfed yeah. that afternoon, yeah? With you. Yeah. And, and we got sick waves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, it was great. Yeah, and we all felt good. I, yeah. I feel like we all felt like there was that weight off us. And yeah. Was that your first surf too? Yeah. 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 First yeah. surf at Tung Curry. And it felt great. It did. Yeah. And no, it was done. It was right, sort of, straight yeah. away, instantly. Yeah. yeah. So that was... Um, so it was remarkable to have that feeling. And, I, you know, I can't thank Steve enough for... for, for taking that on and um and delivering that to us because it's a rare opportunity like mm. it's and you know like what else can we learn from aboriginal people oh, like that's the that's bigger like, question you know like this is a fraction of yeah. some culture that was shared and yeah so you know there's so much there and we mm. don't know and mm. we we're, we can only ever be privileged to know it and you know as an aussie i hope that i hope that more of us can um engage with aboriginal people and they feel feel like they can share their knowledge and culture with us as mm. a nation because that's it'll only make us a better nation Correct. a better group of people 100% well mm. said well said and uh, like obviously back in the modern day here now I just yeah. got to commend you on your the way you're documenting the sport with your oh, yeah. Yogi podcast this thing yeah now you're documented so yeah. that's all cool so that's something you must you've grabbed hold of with both hands and yeah. uh, you've uh, 60 or 70 editions or something yeah, yeah it's climbing up it's up to near 70 and I mean there's I don't know. I get a lot of love from people for it. It's really cool. I get a lot of feedback about the quality of the uh, podcast sometimes, and it's I apologise for that. I, I, I'm, a, I'm all about content. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Content. There you go. You so the audio can get better, but, <laughs> you know, like, I'm doing my best with what I've got. Um, yeah. But I am working on trying to make it a, a better thing. But, no, it's been, I don't know, like, I've always wanted to find my place in bodyboarding uh, from the time I started. You know, like, so originally I wanted to compete and win titles and I did a fair bit of that and I, you know, wanted to be a pro bodyboarder and I did a little bit of that. Um, But this time around coming back into it, I wanted to be in bodyboarding again and compete because I felt like it. But once I was in it, I realised that there was a huge space that wasn't being filled really adequately. Like Manny had started his podcast, Mm -hmm. which is cool. And he was doing it his way. And I kind of went, well... I mean, there's one guy doing one podcast. Uh, there's space for another one to happen here. Yeah. And so I just went, well, I'm, I'm going to do that. And, yep. you know, it's because I was always talking to people and catching up and there's so many stories oh, within the sport. You ne- you're never, you never get up so on the much, like, So much there. And, yeah. And yeah, I mean, and the fact that, yeah. it's, that what you do is, is document it and you put it in the history books a bit. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm it's stoked. sitting there stored yeah, away. Exactly. So. And if I get, you know, if my legacy in bodyboarding is something about being a good historian of it, <laughs> right, yeah, I'm yeah. stoked. Like, if that's what I get yeah. at the end of it all, like, you know, Kingy was the world champion, you know, Ben Player was the, the entrepreneurial, you know, um, world champion, <laughs> Josh. Historian. Competed and was the historian. <laughs> oh, sweet. Cool. Like, I got my spot. That's so, yeah, it. I'd be stoked. Um, and if that's where it ends up, that's where it ends up. But I wouldn't mind adding world champion and historian to that one. That'd, yeah, right, that'd be yeah. a nice bow in the career. Yeah, that'd be a nice way to top it off. Yeah. And, but and it's no, great. And I should say quickly, thanks to everyone who, you know, good and bad, the feedback's always appreciated. And, and there's a lot of people who reach out a lot of the time about mental health stuff because the mm. conversation usually goes in that direction with a lot of the guests. And, 
Um, I just think that everyone out there who's, who is struggling, you know, like I'm, it seems like the podcast has been able to share with them that the people they might look up to and idolize have the similar suffering that they do. And so that's really cool if, um, I'm really proud of that aspect that people have felt a deeper connection to riders. Yeah. A little sort of bonus. Oh, 100%. And, uh, you were telling me the other day, um, moving forward again, um, Mm. new job. New job. I'm stoked. I just um, sounds I just, like something right up your alley. It is. It is, and I'm really happy to talk about it. It's um, I've just joined the team at Surfers for Climate as their operations and development manager, and it's really cool to jump on board with an environmental initiative that's allowed me to connect the dots between what I love here and what I love there, and there's so much to do. Um, I think, you know. The, the surfing world is still, I'll be harsh on it, overwhelmingly disengaged with the political process, mm-hmm. but it's improving. And right. I think that there's a lot to do, there's a lot we can do within our industries to, to try and make things better and more sustainable and more, uh, I actually don't like using the word sustainable, I like, kind of like using the word responsible. Right. Like, we need to take responsibility for our products and we need to take responsibility for our situation politically like mm-hmm. we can yell at tv screens we can have armchair debates but we've got to step in and lean into the problems if we're going to do anything about them and i think aussies in the ocean space in the last few years have been able to lean in on specific things such as plastic pollution at their beaches like they've been really good at um taking responsibility for their beaches in that respect they've been able to take responsibility for the water off their beaches in terms of oil and gas exploration, like the fight for the bite is a really good example where thousands of people around the country were turning up to paddle outs Mm -hmm. and making noise and showing that they had a political idea about what should happen. So there's a lot of um, positive things happening. And I think in this role that I'm in now, I get to lean much more into that. And I, you know, everyone who listens to the podcast is, you're going to hear a bit about it from me. Like yeah. I'm not going to build up a podcast and put all this time in mm. and not talk about this thing that matters so much. Yeah, that's right. We're so audiences, we're all ocean, ocean. Exactly. Others, you know, exactly. So it's a perfect um, platform for you to release your information. On. Exactly. And I just think that, um, you know, like it, like, I don't know if you agree or not, but I just feel like we've always been wave riders have always been, we're pretty selfish in many ways. We don't, and I'm guilty of this. I'm not throwing this stone at anyone else. Like I'm throwing it at everyone and myself. Yeah. Like we're selfish. We we we'll we'll really burn up a lot of resources to get those perfect waves. And when we're in the water, you know, we're not always at our best. Like yeah. we can be really, really nasty humans to each other in the yeah. water. And and you know, a part of me is changing on that is trying to just relax a bit more and like my advice to my 15 year old self like Uh calm down down. and just take responsibility for it because it's it's the thing that we draw so much pleasure from and if we don't stand up and take action about some of the things that are being proposed there's mining um wastewater being dumped in rivers which flow out into our oceans like that's not just bad for surfers. It's bad for local economies that are going to suffer if fish stocks get affected yeah, by this yeah. kind of stuff. It's bad for small coastal hamlets like Foster Tunkari and, and other all the other ones that run up and down the coast of Australia who rely on tourism because 
people want to come and see whales and they want to come and see dolphins. And, yeah. you know, like if we don't um, stand up and take action, these things are all at risk. Mm. Like it's not just our ability to catch waves and have a, get a barrel. Yeah. That's actually how we live and breathe and make our money and, and move on through our lives. Like yeah. it's so connected to the water. Your life's been connected to it. In so many different ways, I mean, yeah. fishing, diving, yeah. photography, whale watching. I mean, how much whale? How many whales have you? Photos have you taken in the last fifteen years? Uh, I could not put it. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. you know, it's really yeah. important, and we've got to we've we've got to affect change. And my job now is to try and figure out how to what's the best way that surfers and all wave riders can affect change politically in this country, and then broader you know around the world and that's a job that i will never um stop loving mm, like mm. it's an absolute privilege to so you've got a few few ideas up in your in your mind already and sort of watch your space oh, and yeah. uh, let's no, uh i'm working on some stuff it's been it's been a, a i've really like i do in life i dive in the deep end and i'm zero or a hundred like yep. i'm a hundred yep. right now on this and yep. um it's really fun. I'm working on a on a federal election campaign now for for next year to sure. to push politicians to to take action on a few key policy outcomes and That's and they're so to do cool. with the water, they're yeah. to do with the ocean, and a lot of it's around the offshore gas and petroleum stuff, which yeah. you know we don't need any more of that. Like we've got a, enough of that has happened, so we've got to stop it. Like yeah. it's just a full stop. We can't do any more of that, and it's not. I reckon we should yeah. be vote one, Josh Kerr. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, one day maybe, but like it's it's cool that I'm in a position to, you know, I've had some great um, discussions with so many amazing. Um, I've I've already been talking to politicians. I've already been talking to other activists in the space and other surfers who share the same passion and who are able to put some of their resources into these issues. And it's there's a lot of good stuff happening, and I just mm. think if it comes past your feed or if it comes in your letterbox or on the tv like just remember that like some issues don't require an ideology to be good or bad a polluted ocean is bad Mm. there's no other way to look at it yeah Yeah. like there's there's no a labor view or a liberal view or a greeny view pollution is bad Mm. there's no other way to talk about it Mm. so let's focus on the policies and not the politics and yeah. I think that's the that's how I want to try and approach it because we're all different. Like everyone around Australia, we've got our own unique upbringing. We've got our own unique experience of the world. Some of our parents voted this way. Some of them voted another. We usually just carry on whatever they voted for yeah, yeah. until we think about it. Yeah. And then we go, wait, what do I care about? So this is the journey that I've had, you know, and I think that there's a lot of surfers out there who, um, yeah, I look forward to trying to bring them on a journey. Mm help them see the issues that we've got to deal with and try to encourage them to take part and that's the job. Well, um, from one ocean lover to another, keep it up. Mm. I'm sure you're going to do amazing things on that platform. Hope Josh, so. And, um, Hope so. Yeah. Um, I know you, you like to enjoy the ocean on any form of craft you can get your hands on. I do. It's body surfing, bodyboarding, mouth riding, surfboarding, yeah. snorkeling above the water, below the water. So let's scuba, keep it Scuba diving a little less for a while. I'm going to take it easy there. Yeah, let's, let's, let's avoid, <laughs> avoid the bends, mate. Yeah, so, it's been great catching up with you, Josh, and hopefully this has um, given 
uh, a lot of your other listeners a little bit of an insight as to the, the man behind the boogie. Yeah. The the outlaw, yeah. Josh Kirkman. <laughs> so, uh, mate, it's been great. I appreciate you uh, letting me have this conversation with you. So. Oh, I'm honoured. I'm honoured. And, like, right. you know, to finish it off, like, I think that, you know, like, there's, there's a few reasons why I bodyboard and you're one of them. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, as a kid, you know, you look up to people who are ripping and doing their thing and... You know, like you were one of those guys locally that at so many of us at the time were like, oh, Shane Chalk is doing this and that. And like, you know, that helps. And, you know, it comes back to what I said, I think, at the start of the podcast that, you know, if you've got local role models and you can look at them and see that there's something that you might be able to do, um, you stick with it. And so thank you. No worries. Yeah. Been great now, haven't you? <laughs> cool. Okay.